The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, the show where we explore the world of sport, music, and business to deconstruct the tools and ethos of world-class performers to create growth and optimize business. I'm Noel Allnut, the CEO of Securo. And today on the show, I'm joined by former jockey, Lynn Schofield. He was born in England, raised in South Africa, had riding success in Hong Kong, and now calls Australia home. Lynn is now part of the sports media company called BTFU. Building Resilience Podcast. Lynn Schofield, welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Lynn, I would love to get right into it and start at the start. Um, obviously, born in South Africa, um, been a huge success uh, across the globe um, as a jockey um, and spent a lot of time here in Australia. Um, but I'd love to start, how did you get into uh, being a jockey and, and kind of what's your story? Well, I had no ties, um, family ties to horse racing or my sisters used to ride horses when, when I'm the youngest of three and I didn't really have much to do with the horses um, at that point. Uh, it was only until I turned about 14, I saw a TV program um, highlighting um, and they were obviously trying to encourage young boys to join the Jockey Academy in South Africa. Um, I saw that on the TV. It looked like a, a pretty glamorous lifestyle and yeah, I said to my mum and dad, I said, look, that's what I want to do. Um, and they thought, well, radio, this won't last long. Anyway, when did all the interviews and the tests and they, that they do um, for kids to make sure they're not going to get too big and, you know, they do all sorts of whatever they checks, whatever they do and passed all those tests. And I was one of, I think, 42 boys that passed and were accepted into the January intake um, from the South African Jockeys Academy. That's how it all started for me. So it was just that that interest, and uh, you basically followed your dream. Ultimately, said that's what something I I want to do, and, and and you got into it, and and the rest is history. So you made the move to um, Australia around uh, two thousand and eight. Um, talk me through the uh, talk me through you you kind of early part of your career and uh, and those early successes. Obviously, started off in South Africa, and it's a five year apprenticeship where you go into a a boarding school type scenario with just obviously it's it's quite strange actually because you 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 go from regular schooling where you're the smallest person and um it's south african people are generally pretty big and uh, you know they're, they're a large group of people big big built and being a small person obviously had its challenges uh, when you're growing up but you end up in an environment where you're all exactly the same you're all small little blokes trying to you know with you know there's a lot of there's a lot of fighting small dogs they say and um there was a lively bunch of of kids that were all involved for, obviously from 14 and 15 year olds right up to 20 year olds so uh, it was a good mix of of guys um and my early riding days you, you go through the general uh, education processes of of learning to ride and they have their own 
uh, on-site schooling um, where you do your, your they call them HSCs, yeah, we call them a trick back in South Africa. And um, you, part, you go through all that sort of stuff and so long as you pass all the riding tests, you, you, you stay and you, they welcome you there and they teach you what you need to know in riding. And I was apprenticed to a, a trainer called Alistair Gordon um, who gave me a lot of opportunities when I was an apprentice. Um, you know, as a, as a kid, he put me on horses that were running group one races, um, even though I didn't win one when I was an apprentice. And uh, then trans, you know, just for my, my career sort of, it didn't take off once I'd qualified. I don't think I was quite focused enough. Um, life was really good back in the in the 90s in South Africa. And um, I think I was more enjoying earning a little bit of money, living a good, you know, lifestyle, working twice a week and having a bit of a party time. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I, got, I got married quite young, had some kids, and that sort of gave me a bit more focus. Yeah, I was just going to ask there, what was the turning point going from doing that a couple of times a week and, and living that lifestyle to really turning the screw and becoming a world-class jockey? I, uh, I think we, um, we'll get onto it a little bit later, but in my later life now that I've retired, I've, I've joined a, a sporting podcast uh, and vodcast with a bit of content on, on horse racing and sport, and um, we call it a BTF. It's called BTFU, but we got we, we we're trying to strike a, uh, a chord with with people that have achieved things in life. And exactly your question to me is my we call it my BTFU moment, and and everybody that seems to have succeeded in life has a moment where, you know, everything seems to click in their mind and they, and they have a goal of what they want to do. And that moment for me was when um, I was at a barbecue with a, a senior derider and he was just, everybody was just all over him like a rash. And I just really wanted the, it was like he had videos and trophies and all that all over his house. And um, I remember looking at that and thinking that's really what I wanted to achieve in life. And it gave me a bit of focus and a bit of drive. And um, it was that from that point on um, that I really sort of had a, a goal of where I wanted to get in life. Um, and it's amazing when you set goals for yourself. Um, you know, nothing is – I mean, it's a cliched saying, but nothing is impossible. And, and I don't think it is. I think if you've got the desire to do something, you can certainly do it. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, – it's amazing sometimes that what triggers these changes – and um, that's what I love. Uh, I find it fascinating um, whether uh, when I'm speaking to so many um, athletes is you're right. They all have that. They all have that moment, whether it's um, on a school field um, or whether it's sometimes a bit later through um, an academy or they have a mentor or they have somebody, a hero that they want to aspire to. Um, so it's fascinating to kind of find that out. And obviously in your scenario, you've, um, you saw a glimpse into the future of what good and great might look like and, and to, chose to uh, chose to take the bull by the horns. I think that as well is quite late as well um, because once you set those those goals, once I set those goals for myself, once you start achieving them, then all of a sudden you look a little bit broader, a little bit further, and you start setting yourself bigger targets and bigger targets because obviously South Africa was divorced by uh, um, – not distance like Australia is, or was, you know, before the world got a lot smaller, but um, because of apartheid, obviously it was a little bit of a secular society where we were, but once everything started to open up a little bit more, it was really, really, um, it was a really good thing for me to, to set 
goals on on shores outside of South Africa, and that's what I really, really enjoyed. I had a really comfortable life at home, um, success coming all the time. But you know, my my friends used to tell me, "Oh, you're mad to leave it all behind and go and start again, try and do something different." But that that for me is a challenge, and I never wanted to get to a stage in my life where I thought, "Oh, I wonder what would have happened had I done this, or had I done or tried that." You know, the failure failure is just a notch on your belt in my in my view. And, and if you get knocked down, it's not how you get knocked down; it's how you get back up and and um, deal with that ad- adversity. And I'm sure it would be quite adverse coming from South Africa into Australia, um, with the protective nature of uh, sports people who are already successful in their own right in Australia, seeing somebody hungry coming from South Africa with a um, with a proven track record. Um, how was that um, integration into Australian life and into the Australian racing circuit? Um, look, I, I must be honest. I think I was the first jockey to move out here um, on a permanent basis in Sydney and, and make Sydney my home. Um, so I can't say I was a a flag bearer for others to follow, but it certainly, it certainly was, wasn't as difficult as I thought. Um, because as you quite rightly say, people want to look after their own patch and, you know, you can become a little bit, um, guarded if someone's coming to step on your toes, but there were obviously there were one or two within the riding jockey ranks that, that felt that way, that I was a bit of a threat to them. Um, but on the whole, I mean, mostly everybody was very, very welcoming. Um, it was obviously a little bit strange having to deal with uh, a different set of um, viewpoints from, from racing because Australians do view racing very differently to the way it was viewed in not not necessarily um, the aspect of wanting to win, but just the, the, the stuff that's under the hood. You know that that took a little bit of getting used to, but I was I was really welcome very well. I, I just can't I can't uh, thank. Uh, everybody that helped me along the way uh, more because w- without support you don't get anywhere really. Yeah, I completely agree, and um, I can I can echo what you said there. Uh, I arrived in Australia 15 years ago, and people say it is the lucky country, and I've had nothing but uh, open arms and, and opportunities in front of me. So um, I agree that it's a it's a great place to to come and start um, if you've got the right mindset and and that growth mentality. Um, You've ridden some elite horses in your time, um, had some huge battles on the racetrack. Could you talk through some of the most memorable races for you, not only the wins, but also some of the losses as well? Um, yeah. Uh, look, there's been a lot of highs, some some at the highest level of, of racing, group ones, but some, some highs don't necessarily have to be. They can be winning a race for a small trainer who's really battling financially and puts in all the hard work and, um, you, you know, you go there and you do a bit of work with them and you, and you get a result for them and you can see the joy on these people's faces, what it means to them. And sometimes being a, a, a jockey at, the, at, at a high level, you, you seem to forget how difficult the, the game and the industry can be for certain people. Take success for granted sometimes. And, and when you win races for people like that, it really makes you feel humble and uh, that you actually – you don't really give back because you're, you're performing for yourself at the same time, but you're certainly helping people as well. Um, there's a sense of achievement in that, but, but on the higher end of, of the scale, riding, riding internationally for me was my, my biggest driver. Um, once I'd sort of achieved some sort of standing and achieving, you know, big goals on the, on the world stage was something that 
that uh, I, I hold quite. You know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an egotistical person that wants to, you know, uh, boast about things. But it really makes me feel it good internally about about, um, especially now that I can reflect on a career that that uh, I've had. Um, it, it, it does some of those big races, winning winning Group Ones in in Asia and Hong Kong and Singapore, and um, it's it certainly is is uh, fulfilling. And then coming to Australia and doing that, I think I had 19. Uh, wins at Group One level in Australia, and I and I came here when I was forty-one. So, um, that's you know, it's it's twilight years of my life, but uh, very happy that I d- I did make that move. Yeah, I mean that is extremely impressive. Looking there, you've got one one thousand two hundred and four race wins. Um, it's uh, it's no mean feat um, in order to to deliver that output um, on the uh, on the Australian circuit. What would be the you will have seen many jockeys come and go, trainers come and go. Um, what would you say would be the key traits and characteristics uh, that make people successful within your industry? Well, first and foremost, you've got to have some sort of talent. Um, you, know, you don't get anywhere without you – know, hard work gets you so far, but talent takes you over that little you – know, and, and talent's something that, that you can work on, but it's something that you've got to, obviously got to have. Um, if you're a soccer player and you can't kick a ball, but you really want to do it, it doesn't really help you much. Um, so, so, and you've got to have support. I think the key characteristic amongst everybody is is hard work and determination because you don't get anywhere without that. I think that's the, that's the common thread of a mix of, of both, I reckon. And, and opportunities come everybody's way or come most people's way. And it's what you do once you get those opportunities. And sometimes it, it can work for you and sometimes it can't. And is there any individuals that you've seen um really kind of uh show that just that that raw talent um are there any people in the in the industry today where you go they're ones to watch you can you can really see that there's something about them that sets them apart oh yeah they're, they're very evident to, for everybody to see i mean you see young trainers coming through that get supported by wealthy owners they can see that they've got you know the whole package the talent the the uh um the way they 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 present their horses and the same goes for the jockeys you can see these young kids coming through um and they're cock a hoop and you know they 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 uh they really it's amazing you can see these kids riding winners and thriving in their own personal way um and those kids are really well supported um uh when they when they you know they start to 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 ride winners and shine um the industry does really give them a kick along because if you're if you're an owner or a trainer and you can see a, a jockey with ability, you know you put him on your horse. You know you're going to get a good result. So it's 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 basically self-fulfilling. You know it's it's a it's a circle of of a group of people that want success. And you so it's so once you get into that circle of winning, it's it's a it's a lovely lovely merry-go-round to be on. And Glenn, for those who aren't um, avid watchers of horse racing, what are the two or three? skills or, or core talent areas that make a great jockey um i think talent is obviously you 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 are going to be able to ride them pretty well i think having some sort of an affinity you don't have an affinity with all the horses you get on um just to make sure making sure that you you you, you know you've got to do, be doing your homework uh, doing race form is is quite intense at times um knowing your opposition knowing your horse i think i think traits like that or something that that most of us have, even even the jockeys that you know are workmanlike and 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 do it not at the highest level, they've still got loads of ability and talent. Um, some people just decide to you know 
you know, some people want to live in a big city. Some people are happy to live in a small town. I think jockeys are, are quite similar. You know, we've, our racing in Australia is quite tiered. We have met, metropolitan, provincial and country racing. And I think everybody sort of finds their, their niche where they're comfortable riding. There's a lot of jockeys that actually, uh, in my view, that ride not in, in – and the pinnacle is obviously the metropolitan area. But as senior riders, we look at jockeys that ride in, in lesser jurisdictions and we can see that oh, if he rode in, in this place here in a higher level – they would definitely definitely succeed, but it's it's just where you're you're comfortable riding, I suppose, and and um, uh, that's the that's the beauty of Australian racing. It, it is it is so large and, and and diversified that you can find a, a place for yourself no matter what your talent level. And if we just step away from racing now, and well, I guess it's it's not a it's not a complete step away, but if we have a look at your um, your life outside of uh, of the race track. Um, obviously, having that grit, having that determination, um, and the ability um, and the, the innate need, uh, desire to to test yourself um, doesn't just have benefits um, from riding riding a horse. You've started to look into other areas and other businesses, and we've got a big following of people from the startup community, people from established businesses. Um, talk me through what your your current project is off the racetrack. Okay, so off the racetrack, obviously, um, I'm a sports nut. Um, so an opportunity came. I was approached by some people, uh, so a couple of friends who wanted to start a, a racing. Yes, yeah, so it's a different side of the fence to be on. Instead of being answering questions, I'm now the one sort of like asking those sort of questions. Um, it's, 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 I'm having a lot of fun doing it, and uh, I hope it's a bit of a uh, – I'm getting some good insight to people that want to listen, um, but uh, I certainly am enjoying it doing what I'm doing. Look, it's not, it's not easy. Miss, I do miss riding racehorses, but it uh, certainly does fill a gap in my life. And is that part of, um, has business always been something uh, that you've been interested in, that kind of more commerce uh, side of things? Or is it something that's just a natural progression from where you were? I don't think it's a natural progression from where I was. I think training racehorses might have been a natural progression. I've always been a little bit more interested in other things as well as racing um and i think i've got a broad mind and i, I think I'd, I'd like to analyze things and assess things pretty well um one thing i do, I do know from riding um and you're just touching on an earlier question you know what are the characteristics and i think this this characteristics um bears true on, on most things in life that you know you've got to be true and honest in everything you do um and as as a jockey, um, you get the connotation of if you don't win a race, you know, there's people that shout over the fence that you're not trying or you're not honest or this and the other. And those sorts of things um, really do hurt when you know that they're not true. Um, uh, you become very resilient and tough-skinned being a jockey, and I think that that might stand me in good stead for where I, where I go at the next level because I'm going to have some bumps in the road and I'm not going to know what I'm doing and I'm going to – stub my toe here and there and I think uh, um, the setbacks that you have in racing might might um, you know give me some sort of idea as to how difficult life will be outside of racing yeah it's um it's it's really interesting when you when you when I've interviewed um, a lot of people who've been at that elite level um, that that resilience that they have that grit that they have but also that knowledge of reading people 
leading people, understanding, supporting, um, supporting people around them. It often transcends into once they come off the sports field, um, maintaining that mentality uh, to help communities and people in society. It's a very, it's a very noble part of um, people striving to do better and, and, and supporting those around them. That it um, that it doesn't just have to happen in the dressing room or, or on the racetrack or on a sports field. Yeah, no, that's right. They say sportsmen die twice, uh, and so if, if you've got nothing to do after you've stopped, it, it can be a little bit. Uh, it can be a hole left in your life. But um, I think you're right there. Certainly right there. Um, Glenn, I would love to ask the, the final question that I asked to all of our uh, guests is, for Glenn Schofield, how do you define resilience? I think it's it's all about self-belief. Um, you know, you can be knocked down, you can be, you can be uh, uh, criticized, you can, be, you can have uh, disappointments in your life, but resilience is all about the belief that you can, you can come above, get above those things and, and, and move on. I think I've got a good way of being able to put bad things behind me and focus on, on the next thing. It's, and I, I think I've said it at the top of this. I said it's not how you get knocked down. It's how you get back up and, and, and you know, respond to the challenges that life gives you. And, and if you're one of these people that just, you know, wants to, um, you know, sit down and cry about something bad that's happened, of course you're going to reflect on, you know, on something that's not nice. Uh, but you you got to pick yourself socks up and and get going again. Otherwise, you know nobody feels is is you know laugh and the world laughs with you. Cry and you cry alone. I mean it's it's you you've got to you've just got to have a bit of mental toughness and a bit of grit about you just to just to get on with the job and 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 just take that next step forward because as, as soon as you leave something behind, it's not going to affect you anymore. That's the way I believe it. Yeah, that's so true. It's um, it, it is really about that that bouncing back. Also, just not forgetting about things, um, and and understanding the the why the why the potential fall down or anything that's happened beforehand, if it is within your control, and then obviously if it's without that, just accepting that and and moving on and, and growing from it. Um, Lynn, do you have any final thoughts for our for our viewers in terms of um? looking at the the new platforms that you're going at or anybody who's just got a um an inkling maybe that they want to get more interested in the racing scene well from from the racing scene um you know there, there'll be a lot of if anyone's looking to get into racing or involved there'll be a lot of people that would would um be interested to to help you um uh, there are many different bodies of, of whatever field you want to go into horse racing i mean there are so many there's Obviously, the riding section of it, um, jockeys, track work riders, trainers, breeders, uh, salespeople, uh, transport. Uh, there's, there's just a multitude of them. So it, uh, you'll get a lot of help wherever you want to go. Um, but from my perspective, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this uh, video and, and sports uh, commentary on btfu.com.au. Um, so if anybody wants to tune in and listen to what I'm doing and, and what I've got to say, along with uh, many other sports people, we've got some some NRL uh, uh, celebrities on there as well. We've got some football soccer, uh, as I want to call it, because that's my, my second passion. Um, I probably as I think I'm as knowledgeable in soccer as I am on horse racing, which <laughs> maybe maybe which may which may be just a thimble's uh, full of uh, of knowledge. But um, I really enjoy it, and I enjoy talking about those sorts of things. So uh, I'm having a bit of fun where I am at the moment, and I'm hoping it uh, it uh, it can grow and, and be something more su- substantial than just a bit of fun. Who's your uh, Who's your soccer team? Oh, I'm a Liverpool fan through and through. So uh, 
had a few good years of, of a lot of success and this season it seems to be uh, a, um, a bit of a frustrating one and hopefully it can turn around um, because nobody likes losing. No, well, I'm a Newcastle fan, so we've had uh, we've had many years of losing. In fact, I only know us as uh, as losing in my lifetime. So hopefully, we'll um, we'll start turning a few things around. Things are looking a bit rosier than they used to be. Oh, they certainly are with the Saudis uh, uh, buying there, and uh, the new coach has done wonders. He's up in the top. I think they might have just slipped out of the top four, but uh, I'm sure that it won't be much longer before they they're back up the top again. And Liverpool and Newcastle have had some fantastic high-scoring um, games uh, that I remember going back quite a few years. So uh, the rivalry there is pretty good. Yeah, I've still got um, I've still got nightmares around Stan Collymore scoring in the Anfield. Too, oh, right? I remember that goal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time, uh, Glenn, we'll uh, we'll maybe uh, we'll maybe pivot more into uh, into the football stories. Um, as well the next time you're on the show um, I just want to say thank you very much for joining us appreciate you taking time out of your morning and um, good luck with the new ventures and congratulations on a fantastic career No, thanks very much for having me and all the best thank you thanks for listening to the Building Resilience podcast make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes Thanks to our guest today, Glenn Schofield. I really appreciate your time. Thank you to our sponsor, Securo. If you'd like to know more about me or Securo, you can head to securo.io. Securo, trust tomorrow. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. Afternoon Sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, We'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com.